Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Welcome back. Week four has come to a close, and we are a third of the way through the college football season, if you can believe it. And wow, what a weekend it was. It was a wild one. The Buffaloes lost big to Oregon. Ohio State starts the Cinderella phase of their their (laughs) season against Notre Dame. And Clemson woke up for four four quarters, and then they Clemsoned in overtime. And, man, that was horrible. Uh, I don't I don't know, man. We'll talk about this a little bit deeper, but holy smokes, like this is a wild weekend. There's a lot of uh, ranked on ranked matchups. We'll get to those a little bit later. But welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer, we call it Ring Knocker Radio, two O's and an NCO. I'm your host, Rob the Angry Colonel, calling out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Icapesa out of Coastal Connecticut. Trigger Joe is coming to you live from the home of the big house. The other guys. One. What games did you end up watching? Uh, Joe, how about you? Um, Stayed on Michigan and Rutgers for a while at noon, even though there were some great 12 o'clock games. Um, Was happy to see that, but I was, it it was definitely a separation week for the, you know, pretenders and contenders, you know, Colorado fell back to earth. um, And we may have the beginning of a coaching rivalry between the two coaches there after Dan Lanning had some uh, pretty slick comments Penn State took Iowa to the woodshed like a debt collector from the Genovese family. And uh, Army gave Syracuse a really good scare in the first half, taking a lead into halftime. And, um, you know, good for them because that's that's a undefeated team they did that against. And then FSU barely escapes in Death Valley after Dabo calls a wide receiver screen on third and inches after your running back just had a nine-yard run. It was like watching Marshawn Lynch waiting for the ball in the Super Bowl. I could not believe they threw a pass there. You couldn't have paid me to pass. Yeah, that was weird, too, because one of the things, and and speaking of that game, you know, Will Shipley scored his first rushing touchdown in this game. Like, you're four games into the season. That dude is a weapon, and he's not touching the ball enough. Like, maybe that's part of the problem, you know? He looked possessed in the fourth quarter. He He was fresh. He had the juice. He was breaking tackles. Dude, you give that guy the ball, and you don't stop until he calls for a breather. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, they I won just, the game. I found, yeah, I found that I found that crazy that you know Will Shipley is you know has played as long as he has at Clemson, and they didn't use that guy as a weapon more so in the game. And like, dude was fuego, like he was hot. Like, why would you like play the hot hand? You always ride the heater, man. Like, I don't understand yep. why that happened. But uh, again, may, maybe. You know, I saw a headline this week, and uh, we'll we'll pass this over to Dan, but I'll leave it with this. I saw a headline this week that already started talking about, hey, maybe Syracuse has a Dabo problem, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that that that's pretty <laughs> ominous. That's pretty ominous. But hey, we'll see. We still got the rest of the season. Dana, how about you? Tough weekend for my football fandom overall. I went in kind of assuming that Army was going to get beat in in Syracuse, and really, I, I just wanted to see a competitive game. You know, your typical Army one score, keep it close with a nationally ranked opponent kind of thing. And then they played that outstanding first half, and, man, I bought in completely. I was like, we're going to win this game. That's going to rule. They got freaking smoked in the second half, and I got so sad about it. I turned off football for the rest of the weekend. Read a book, went swimming twice, hit the weight room. Like, I just – I completely moved on with my life for about 16 hours. Well, well. Are you ready to forgive football and let them back into your life? Yeah, slowly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the NFL is just awful. Yeah, freaking. I did see that uh, somebody hung seventy this weekend in the in the pros. I was like, what in hell? That is. Yeah, wasn't a good wasn't a good weekend for Colorado football. That was the Broncos (laughs) that lost by fifty. Yeah, yeah. Right after Colorado got taken to the woodshed. That's freaking nuts, man. Yeah. Well, there must be something in the air in Colorado. Uh, it's probably weed smoke, but uh, for me, <laughs> I ended up watching uh, Army. Uh, of course, I watched the Army game. I watched TCU and SMU. Like that was a much better game than I thought it was going to be. FSU and Clemson. Like we could talk about that one all day and carve that thing up and autopsy it. And then Texas A&M. You know, trying to trying to play football again. Like it's mm. just weird. Like I, I, 
like trying to figure out what's going on with college football. And I know it's college football, so nothing is as predictable as, as it always would be. Uh, watch CU run to a bus on the, the middle afternoon games. Louisville showed up big time against BC. And then, you know, Bama rarely loses back to back at home. And that jacked up one of my picks because I literally thought that Ole Miss was going to have a little bit more for them. Watch the UFC fight night. And then like, as soon as the main event wrapped, I was like, ah, I don't know, man, like I'm going <laughs> to get back into this Ohio state game and watch probably the single greatest finish of college football in the last couple of years. I mean, Hey, Dabo Sweeney, watch what Ryan day did. Like when your team is running the ball well, run the ball, you know, and that's one of the uh, things that I've seen Ohio State do this season is they're actually committing to the running backs a little bit more. You've got a younger quarterback, so to take the pressure off of him, you've got to have a good running game, and it's working out for him. I believe that uh, Notre Dame messed up a substitution and only had 10 people on the field at the time, so the, the wow. slot that they ran in, like they, they caught them. It was just perfect yeah. timing, perfect play. And uh, they won the game. And I will say this, you know, not as a, you know, not as a homer or anything like that, but watching a coach get pissed off when people in the peanut gallery talk crap about their team and he defends their team on national television. I can get behind that regardless of what coach it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't care who it is. Like angry Ryan day is interesting because like he was pissed off in his post game interview. Cause he was like, where's Lou Holtz at? I want to talk to that guy. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, okay, well he's a little bit old and can't defend himself. So, you know, take it out on somebody else, but it was pretty good to, to, to watch him, you know, show some emotion for once as a coach. Cause normally he's pretty reserved. And so for him to kind of lose it a little bit was, was interesting to see because that shows the passion that I think that was so rare that you don't get to see from him very often. So to see him be passionate about, you know, the big win away down at, uh, at Notre Dame was was huge. But moving on, we have a sponsor here at As for Football. It's BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn was founded by uh, Dan Robinson. He's a graduate of the class of 97. Dan ran a traditional farm co-op and auction and realized that there has to be a better way and modernize it, bring it to the 21st century. Dan and his co-founder, Dinu, took their experience in IT management and development and created the first farm-to-farm online auction and sales platform. BuyerBarn provides reduced health issues due to cutting down on animal and owner contact, reduce animal fraud through a buyer and seller rating system, fully integrated auction platform with secure payments, convenience to buy or sell at your own time, and better market pricing because of a wider audience. Bar Barn is dedicated to helping the small farmers in America provide, uh, geez, small farmers in America and is providing a special discount to military veterans who want to assist them in the small family farm revolution. Go to buyerbarn.com or email them at buyerbarn.com for info. You can always go to the Astro Football website. There's a tab on the side. Click it, and you can find all the information that you need to buy a goat, chicken, and or cow. They do not sell horses. Anything else is fair game on Buyer Barn. Dano, you want to run down the service academies for me, please? Yeah, man. As noted, Army lost to Syracuse following that weird second half. We'll autopsy that game next week. I don't think anybody's in a hurry to relive it right now. I certainly am not. Air Force beat the heck out of San Jose State, 45-20. to 20. Game was close in the first half, but the Zoomies pulled away in the second half. Rushed for 400 yards. Had a dude with 33 carries for 148 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Yo, man, Air Force looks good again, which is frustrating. Um, not exactly clear whether they've played anybody yet though so i'm i'm still sort of waiting to see like what they actually look like this this week is going to be interesting for that i think they got san uh, san diego state this week navy didn't play they had a bye uh, they take on south florida at home this saturday like liable to be a more competitive game than you might expect i think south florida has looked good at times even though their record doesn't necessarily show it coast guard academy took a beating from springfield this week uh, the Bears went into halftime down 28 points and they never recovered. They take on the mighty MIT engineers. I'm not sure what the MITs are. It looks like an angry beaver. Like is it really? Yeah, it's like, red, it's like a red-eyed beaver, which is interesting. <laughs> I don't even know what that does. So that's Saturday. At Emergent Marine Academy, they're 3-0 and this season. They beat SUNY Maritime 36-19. They take on Salve Virginia on the road this Saturday. Wow, that's awesome. All right, Joe, let's run down the top 10 if you do not mind. All right, we got no change to the top three with Georgia, Michigan, and Texas. Um, the number four, we got Ohio State. Uh, Florida State didn't move after the scare in Death Valley at number five. Penn State up one spot after drubbing Iowa. Washington staying the same at number seven. USC's at eight. We got Oregon at nine after their big win. And then Utah is at 10 
and uh, they got a pretty good test coming up this weekend. And I don't know if they're going to have Cam Rising, so that's going to be interesting to see because I haven't seen him play much this season at all, and he's their he's their general. Yeah, that, that rumor has it he should be playing this week. Cam Rising's pretty legit. I'm, I'm wondering what's going on with USC. It's not like they're losing games. I don't know why they fell as much as they did. I, I mean, maybe it's just like uh, well, maybe it's the rest of the competition in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is you know, rolling right now. That game was very close. They're, they That 14 points, they were only up seven at the start of the fourth quarter on Arizona State. So Arizona State gave them – and they're – they're giving too many too many points up, and we got to remember this is still the team that got beat by Utah twice last year. Yeah, that's true. Cam Rising oh, outplayed Kyle Williams in the second game, so there's some flaws there on USC's team. I'm not necessarily a buyer on them yet. Yeah, I, I haven't bought into USC at all, but uh, again, I think it's 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 style over substance, right? They're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games because they're gonna score a lot of points, but I'm not sure if they're gonna be able to play any defense at all. But uh, other notable moves in the top 25: uh, Colorado fell out of the top 25 from number 19. Number 11: Notre Dame dropped out of the top 10 after losing to Ohio State. Bama and LSU flipped from 12 to 13. Oregon State dropped from 14 to 19. Ole Miss dropped from 15 to 20, and then there were three new entries in the top 25 at number 23 you got mizzou number 24 is kansas and number 25 is fresno state so they were previously unranked and then uh the ranked on ranked fratricide continues so you had 15 total uh, upsets uh, so far in the 20 i won't even call them upsets so 15 head-to-head losses in the 2023 season at ucla lost to utah 14 to 7 oregon beat colorado 42 to 6 Bama beat Ole Miss 20 to 24 to 10, which is staving off back-to-back losses at home, which is like not happened since like the mid 2000s since Saban has been the coach. Uh, Washington State beat Oregon State 38-35. That's pretty typical for those games with those uh, Pac-12 competition competitors. Penn State whooped up Iowa 31 to zero. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna knock you out of the top 25 for sure, particularly if you get a big old goose egg at the end. And then the Ohio State edging Notre Dame 17-14. I mean, like I said, that was probably the most exciting close of the game, but really all you have to do is watch the last five minutes on the highlights, and then you'll see basically the best part of the game, I think. So moving on, Joe, to the blue falcon of the week. Who you got uh, in the the circle oh. of infamy? It's too too easy. It's I'm speaking for the Clemson fan base here, and my blue falcon of the week's Dabo because I know he I know he controls the final say on the plays, and after Shipley hit the truck stick, ran over a linebacker, and it's third and half a foot, you throw a wide receiver screen in overtime when you need six, gets blown up for a two yard loss, and two plays later the game is over, my friend. You stay with the guy that brought you to the dance your running back was hot he was trucking people he was fresh because you don't use them enough and he's sitting there saying no coach that power you just ran run it again and then we get the ball back then run it two more times and we can go home instead he had to watch a wide receiver screen get blown up fourth and two incompletion game over and death valley sounded like everyone died all at once so my blue falcon of the week is whoever's calling the plays in the booth and Dabo Sweeney, you cost your team the game by being cute. You should have just went back to Bo Beckler football, three yards in a cloud of dust, got that ball in the end zone, and see if see if you can't pick Florida State off. You know, they, they had done well against that offense leading into the fourth quarter and were giving Florida State all they could handle. And uh, when your team's demoralized like that and you see one shining stars out there, like put it on my shoulders, coach, you do that. You put it on his shoulders. And uh, I'm sure Shipley is sick over it because if he would have got four more carries, they probably would have won the game. Yeah, that's 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 a really man. That that was a bad way to lose a game. You know, I mean, I understand like stuff happens, but dude, like, what were you doing? Like, I'm still shaking my head, and, and, and Will Shipley's numbers are super low this season just because of the fact – I mean, maybe that's why DJ left, you know. Maybe that – you know, maybe that's why, like, the backfield from last year at Clemson is now playing at other schools. They moved mm-hmm. because maybe they weren't getting the opportunities that they thought that they needed, and I get it. I mean, like, you're a college football player. You don't know all the ins and outs and everything and every decision that coach is going to make, but, like – 
if I'm Will Shipley, like, hey, man, that transfer portal looks kind of hot if I use that fifth year eligibility and bounce somewhere else because I know if I go to any other school that has a running game, they're going to run me until I can't run anymore. And I, I don't know. But like I said, I saw that headline that says, you know, maybe Clemson has a Dabo problem, which is which is pretty scary. But moving on to the topic this week, and, and it's something that I, I keep thinking about because uh, – I did a little deep dive uh, after some of the comments from the the Oregon coach that got me fired up. But moving past that, one of the things that uh, we have to look at in the age of the the college football playoff, do conference championships actually matter? So we've seen one loss conference championships or conference champions or non-conference champions make it into the playoffs. So you had Ohio State made it in, uh, lost to Clemson in 2016. 2017, you had Bama win in overtime after losing to Georgia in the uh, SEC championship. Yeah, Notre Dame was a non-conference uh, independent, lost to Clemson. Yeah, Notre Dame again uh, with the disappearance of Monteo's girlfriend and losing the <laughs> ACC championship. They lost their quarterfinal playoff game. In 2021, again, flip-flop reverse roles with Georgia and Bama and then uh, Georgia lost and then came back and beat Bama in the final. And then you had TCU and OSU last year, which were both non-conference champions that both made it into the playoff uh, bracket. One advancing to the final, the other one lost by one point to the you know the reigning national champions. What's going to happen in 2023? And do we legitimately think that as the playoff expands with uh, all the conference realignments, the bigger conferences and everything else, are we literally going to get the the – eight best teams in college football to play against each other, or is it going to be like that power five prejudice? Because I think that's starting to get broken up pretty significantly, you know, unlike the BCS. And I think now the playoff committee is going to have to seriously reanalyze how they do things because given, you know, given eight seats and, you know, the big 12 now has, you know, 37 teams in it the big 10 has 38 teams how do you how do you balance that now you know because do we want the the teams with the best records or do you legitimately want just conference championships and then pull writ large because you know from a fan standpoint you know ucf will always claim that they're the 2017 champions because they never made it into the playoff you know but that's cute what Yeah, but I, I mean, at, at some point you have to do some, you know, you got to do some fan service. And does that come in the does that come in the case of like, look, we've got you know, power five, group of five, so we know that there's going to be at least two conferences that are left out, as well as the, uh, you know, as well as the independents. But even the independents are starting to wise up because there's talk of Army moving to the American, BYU is now in the Big Twelve. I mean, I think the only one that kind of has enough television rights to stay independent would be Notre Dame, but. Uh, I'm interested to catch your thoughts, Dano. How about you? So I want to believe that conference championships matter. And this year and 2023, I think that they definitely will. But what's going to happen when the playoff expands is kind of an interesting question. I think you're already seeing that as as conference realignments happen, that teams are a little bit more interested in scheduling cupcakes now than they were. And that those conference championship games and just the conference play in general is going to matter more. Whereas with two or four teams making it in those not strong non-conference games were really important for strength of schedule. I don't know how much strength of schedule is going to matter with eight teams, but now this year, you know, the, all those teams that you talked about getting in without winning their conference were like major powerhouse heavyweights that tripped up once by like one point and blew everybody else out by like 40 points. Now it's definitely the case with both Bama and Georgia, the years that they won, I do not think that we're seeing that set up this year. You know, maybe Oregon or Michigan or or uh, uh, somebody like that. Penn State has a chance at that this year. We got to sort of see how it plays out, but I don't think that that's what will happen. So this particular year, I think conference championships are going to matter. But going forward, that's a little crazy. I I definitely think that the it as as strange as it sounds, the group of five might actually be in a worse spot going forward than they are now. Because there's going to be eight teams, but it's going to be, you know, however many power conference champions plus however many power conference also runs. And do we have to take one of these guys? Yeah. And that's still going to be just one. Yeah. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to expand just a little bit on what I uh, originally had scripted. Um, I think that when they expand the playoffs to make 
the conference championships make sense. You have to get the right number of teams so that the conference champions of the Power Five get a bye. You're gonna have to, otherwise it's gonna be irrelevant. Um, and when it was and when it was just the BCS and everyone wanted a playoff, I had the playoff figured out perfectly. You let six teams in, one and two get a bye, and that's their reward, and then you go from there. And it and it all comes out in the wash. But I would say it's schedule and record dependent based on that question. Sometimes if the team absolutely has to have a win to eliminate an opponent or it's give and take, then yeah, it's obvious that the conference championship's a huge deal and it means a, a whole lot. But like last like last year, the Big Ten championship, it really all it meant was Michigan could possibly be eliminated and leapfrog by Ohio State. And there could be a there could have been an argument for it. Now Michigan probably still gets in with a loss, but going to that championship game only really hurt their chances because they already beat the best team in the Big Ten. And everybody knows the Big Ten Championship is played in November in Columbus or Ann Arbor. And that's the way it's going to be for a while until Penn State catches up. They're a step behind, but they're almost there. Um, I mean, but the beautiful thing about letting extra teams in is what Ohio State did last year. Oh, you guys just got beat by Michigan by 20 points? You know, good luck. So let's see what you do against Georgia. I was saying it before the game. I wouldn't want to play Ohio State right now. And they went out and gave Georgia all they could handle and were – a field goal, a fumble, a turnover, a sack. They were one play away from swinging that their way and winning the game. So I say expansion is good because you may not get the best eight teams in America, but you will find out who the best two are when it's all said and done. And, and yeah. you won't get that wrong. That's yeah, And that's I don't believe you're going to leave a team out that could run that table. Yeah, and I think that's really ultimately, like, from the fans' perspective, that's what we want to see. I don't think anybody wants to see a much longer season. You know, I don't think we can get people to focus in on like, hey, let's make the season shorter. I don't think you're going to get 10 games, you know, so you're going to, you know, two out of conference games and eight conference games. That would be, you know, that would be the ideal scenario. Then you can actually extend the playoff to make it make sense, you know, but I don't think anybody in the in major college football and all the broadcast rights associated with such, I don't think anybody's going to be willing to cut TV time Mm. to increase, you know, the number of opportunities to, to make the playoff last in the same amount of time, right? For God's sakes, this season, we've had three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row now of college football on Thursday, you know, competing with the NFL, which is insane. But is it, you know, because when you look at, uh, like I said, I have five screams running this Saturday and like I'm scratching my head as to why I don't have five games playing at the same time, but I have one game that's on, two games that's on and three commercials. And so I know that the ad revenue is there, you know what I mean? The ad revenue is there for sure. So it's not, it's not a matter of whether or not the advertisers show up. It's a matter of like, man, like how many commercials are there going to be? It's like, Oh, we just did a kickoff. We're going to commercial, you know? And it's, well, they cut down that the rule, the new timing rule, which I don't think it bothers too many people, but it does cut out what five, six plays every game over the yeah. course of the season. That's essentially one less game, which is good in terms of wear and tear on the players. But it definitely makes the commercials a little bit more nor- more noticeable now. Yeah. Well, the runtime yeah, yeah. of the games is still the same. Like that's the thing. The runtime yeah, has yeah, not yeah. changed, and that's the live experience is definitely some of the shines more off it. Now, I was a very lucky kid growing up that my mom worked at the U of M, and I've gotten to see a ton of games there, and I don't want to sound spoiled, but that but those commercials almost ruined the live experience. You notice it when you're sitting in the stands big time. Yeah. Well, especially when, you know, the guy with the little red hat and his sign comes out with the countdown clock to let you know how much time is left in a commercial break, you know, and it, it, it changes the pace of the game, but I think that's all tied to the discussion anyway. Like, look, the strength of schedule matter. Yeah. Because like, if I am a major college football team and I'm picking, you know, cupcakes or lesser thans, like if I'm, you know, say for instance, all my out-of-conference game, if I'm a Big Ten team, all my out-of-conference games are with MAC teams, guess what? That's going to be on ESPN+. And so I'm missing a major audience mm-hmm. to, you know, to make that strength of schedule moderately good, you know, like get the C-, minus, you know, B-, minus C, C-plus type of strength of schedule to play MAC teams because MAC teams are good, you know, but how many people know how good the Mac teams are because they're not on television? Like, did you see Wyoming and App State? Good gravy. That was a great game, you know? 
and nobody's watching those teams. Why? Because they're not in a big television conference, but it was a great game, you know, and I think some of that is lost just, you know, with the size of college football being what it is and then moving into the 12, you know, the 18 playoff, are we going to get the best teams? And ultimately I think that's what everybody wants. At the end of the day, we want the best teams to play in the playoff because those games are exciting. All right. I gotta, I gotta disagree with you there, Rob. I want the (laughs) conference champions. I want however many power conference champions plus whatever else you got to do. I want those conference championships games to matter more than they matter now that would be my hope yeah well i i see what you're saying dan Uh, like at the end of the day i don't want like what happened between k-state and tcu last year yeah that was awful i mean and don't get me wrong tcu obviously played a great game against michigan i mean that was a an awesome game that everybody enjoyed watching but what a letdown man you yeah. know, it would have been amazing if they would just say, we're going to take the top four under the current thing. We're going to take the top four conference champions like word. Let's do yeah. it. Like, and I don't think anybody would have a problem with that except for TCU, <laughs> you yeah. know, last year. Like, oh, we lost our conference championship game after we beat these guys. And it was in overtime. So, you know, they played us strong for four quarters, but it didn't, you know, the fifth one didn't matter or whatever. But always interesting to, to kind of throw that on the table and, and think about it, because at the end of the day, it's about getting butts and seats, ad revenue, unfortunately, hmm. and then, you know, building these teams. And, and I think, you know, the longer that you stay into the playoff hunt, the better you are. You know, for Michigan, it's a little bit easier to recruit if you beat Ohio State. Same thing for Ohio State. If I beat Michigan, then I like, hey, look, we beat the team up north or we beat those, you know, four-letter word people down in the south. That makes it easy for recruiting. Same thing for Georgia and Bama. Like, hey, we smoked Bama or Auburn. You know, hey, we beat we beat Bama or we beat Texas A&M. So that gives you some bragging rights that helps you negotiate. But, you know, nothing like having a national championship trophy. I think that really kind of sets it in motion, particularly as far as recruiting is concerned. And, like, it gives you the best chance of winning. Like, Again, people are going to go to USC. Why? Because it's in Southern California. But at the end of the day, like if they don't start winning some national championships here in the next couple of years, who's going to care that Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley is down there? You know, maybe Lincoln Riley's family, but like as a as a fan of college football, it's like you got to get the job done. And I think that's a that's a greater greater question. But anyway, speaking of getting the job done, we have a person that gets the job done all the time. <laughs> for mortgages and we will pass it over to dano for the next read so craig oxane is the vice president of residential lending for draper and kramer in chicago he's a member of the west point class of 1994 licensed to lend in all 50 states he is one of the biggest va lenders in the country he's going to give you super competitive rates go out of his way to give you the best deal that he possibly can this is important because the mortgage process is super confusing rates move all over the place you know and you're, you're trying to make sure that all the, all your financing is st- uh, straight and you're getting a good deal on the house And it's just it's a tough time to deal with like some faceless, nameless corporate entity, you know, some website, some big box bank, whatever. You would much rather deal with a mortgage lender who actually gives a crap about you as a person. And this is kind of how the West Point Network functions. Like Craig is helping us stay in business here at Ask for Football. And we're trying to help you get the best deal on a mortgage that we possibly can by introducing you to the very man that you need to meet. Plus, this is important. Craig does not charge lending fees for veterans. That's a savings of like $1,300. Get that money. Like, don't pay some clown $1,300 if you don't have to. So Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending. Check him out. Link's on our website. Just go to askforfootball.com. Click, click the little picture. You'll fill out a little questionnaire. You'll be talking to Craig in a couple of hours. It is too easy. And I'm telling you, everybody, and I mean everybody, gives that dude five stars. He is an outstanding customer relations guy. That's awesome. All right. So moving on to games of the week. And as I said before, we're going into week five, if you can believe that. And you've got college football on Thursday night again. you got Middle Tennessee at uh, Western Kentucky, Temple, and Tulsa. Uh, and Jacksonville State at Sam Houston. Those are both that, like that should be an interesting matchup. Those are two teams that just came up from FB or Division Two, so they're moving up. They kick at uh, seven thirty and eight respectively. Friday, you've got Louisville and North Carolina State. That should be a good game. Uh, I think Louisville's hot right now. NC State has been uh, sporadic, so I think we'll see who can get the best of that engagement. You've got uh, nine o'clock kicks: Louisiana Tech and UTEP. 
they got Louisiana Tech, man. Really, seriously. I think the the main game to watch on Friday night though is going to be on FS1 uh, kicks at nine o'clock. That'll be Utah against Oregon State. That should be an interesting one. I think Cam Rising should be starting this week. I know that there was a discussion whether or not he was going to be playing. Uh, I think that guy's a great quarterback, and I'd love to see him back in the pads. Uh, the last game is on ESPN. You got Cincinnati at BYU. Again, that's a that's a new Big Twelve matchup. So that's their their shiny new Big Twelve training wheels. Uh, noon kicks on Saturday. You've got UAB and Tulane, uh, Florida versus Kentucky. I don't know if you saw Kentucky last week, but they look pretty doggone good. And Florida, you know, they're trying to hang on to that top twenty five spot. But they're playing at Kentucky. UK is pretty doggone good. I, I, Kentucky not- is always good at this time of the year, but they, you know, just when you start to buy into them in the SEC, it just never like goes your way. That's got to be one of the most frustrating, fa- frustrated fan bases in America. Yeah, for sure. Then you've got uh, Louisiana, Minnesota on the Big Ten Network. You got Penn State, Northwestern. Oof, that one's going to be an interesting one. Uh, if you're a Penn State fan, it'll be fun to watch. If you're a Northwestern fan, not so much. Yeah, AM and Arkansas, they're kicking at noon. They're going to be in Arlington, Texas. You got Utah State and UConn. That one will be a horrible game to watch. Dano, I am sorry that you are a UConn fan because it's, you- it's a fascinating game because we're, I was actually, I had this to talk about later, but since you brought it up, <laughs> UConn is like supposedly they're on the verge of losing the locker room. So if they don't win this week and sort of get it turned around, you're looking at like a sea change of expectations among the fan base and the whole, like the the, the natives are restless. So that's, I, I realize that nobody gives a crap about UConn, but it's a high leverage game for the people in stores who are trying to make this argument that they could potentially go to the big 12 and not just for basketball. Yeah, but uh, Utah State might be the team though, because Utah State is bad. Like they're horrible. If UConn yeah, exactly. Like if UConn doesn't win this game, whoo, there's gonna be yeah. some pitch, there's gonna be if some pitchforks out there. If they at home, if they can't beat that bad Utah State team with what's not a not a terrible de- you know, they got a decent defense. If they yeah. can't make that work some way somehow. Then they got real trouble. I mean, yeah. bad trouble. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I 100% agree with you. You got USC at Colorado. Hey, man, like that one's going to be a tough game for Colorado. They got to pull out of this nose. I don't even say it's a nosedive. Like, if you watched what uh, Deion Sanders said in his interview, he was like, look, man, we have yet to play a complete game. We've either had defense play well or the offense plays well, but we haven't had them both play well at the same time. Special teams has been up and down, you know, particularly in the game against Oregon. Uh, I would say this, you know, I think – there are some flaws in the Colorado offense and defensive line. I think everybody knew that going into the season. I don't think there was an expectation that, you know, Deion Sanders just with sheer personality is going to, you know, run the table in the Pac-12. I don't think that that is the case. I think USC is struggling to put up some offense, and if they can't convert, then it creates an opportunity for Colorado. I don't know how, you know, how badly this uh, – this loss went in the locker room. If you saw how Coach Prime was in his post-game interview, he was just like, yeah, we didn't execute. And to be quite frank, that was one of the most poorly executed games I've watched all season. There were flags on both sides. I think there was like 20 penalties between both teams, which is unheard of. Like, it was gross. They left like 400 yards to the referees. And so I think that that's going to be an interesting matchup because, again, you've got returning Heisman Trophy winner. You know, this is a quarterback duel, you know, so you're going to see who's going to get it done. Is it going to be Shador Sanders, you know, with a, with some changes to the offensive line, or is it going to be Caleb Williams? Guys, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm probably not as into it as you are, but it's it's an interesting game for sure. Yeah. and then you I, got, I, uh, I don't think you see – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, no, I think Colorado has a much better game. Um, they they finally saw what you know top flight competition looks like, and um, they got and they definitely got Oregon's best shot. I mean, Oregon yeah. couldn't miss in that first half, so um, you know maybe they maybe they show up and put a few more points up against the USC defense that got scored on. I think it was the 30, 28 points scored on them by Arizona State last week, and that's a one win Arizona State team. Yeah. It's still it's still Dion in his first year. Like, let the man have at least two recruiting classes before we pass judgment on whether or not it's a success. Holy yeah. cow! They they they've already turned a corner. Just sure. you know, it yeah. is a process. I'm quite sure he knows that. 
Yeah, it, they won exactly two more games than they did last year, right? Yeah. Six and six on a bowl game yeah. is success, I think. Absolutely. For, for college. Yep. Absolutely. I don't, and I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people thought that, you know, just because it's like, oh, it's Coach Prime. He, he played two sports. Like, yeah, like, dude's 57 years old and he's done some stuff, but he can't impress all of his experiences on those kids in a short period of time that he had between, you know, recruiting them and putting the team together because he's still got to fill the team. But, That'll be interesting. Uh, the other 12 o'clock kick on Saturday, it's going to be interesting, is Clemson at Syracuse. Oof. Like, I know we'll talk about that one later in the pick, so I'm going to keep moving on. So you got got the the battle for Eastern and Central Michigan. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Again, that's one of those games that's kind of sneaky okay. That is on the, the plus. You got Virginia and Boston College on the CW at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you have a you know over-the-air antenna, that might be a game for you to watch if you're a fan of either one of those teams. Both of them are kind of struggling right now, but uh, maybe it'll be a chance for, for Virginia to get a, a surprise win. Got Miami of Ohio at Kent State. That one's on the plus as well. Arizona State and California, do we care? That's a 3 o'clock kick on the Pac-12 network, but nobody's probably going to be watching that. Baylor is having a horrible season this season. Like, I don't know how they are going to recover from that one. Like, they haven't looked this bad in a very, very long time. They're taking on UCF at uh, 3.30. Got Northern Illinois and Toledo. That'll be an interesting game. ODU and Marshall at 3.30. That's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. That one will be one to watch. Uh, you've got Kansas against Texas. Hey, you know what? Quinn Ewers is quietly one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and everybody's ignoring him just because the yeah. rest of his team is playing really good ball. But, like, that kid's putting up some numbers. Yeah, you know? and uh, notice for Kansas, keep your kids in school. Don't buy new houses. You're moving out of the top 25 on Sunday. Proof. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, and for, and for Kansas, man, like, again, this will be a quarterback duel. It, it would have been a much nicer uh, opportunity to see two good quarterbacks play against each other. I think they're going to be the decision in the game. But I think when you look at Texas versus Kansas, way too many weapons in Texas, way too many weapons. Uh, you got Houston and Texas Tech at 330, uh, USF at Navy, as we said before. Wagner playing Rutgers, that's another one of those weird ones. You know, why are we five weeks in and you're just now playing these guys? It doesn't make any sense. Michigan is going to take out the corn. The Huskers are like, dude, Matt Rule is suffering right now. Like that guy is probably going to be looking for a new job at the end of next season because I put the over under three games for Nebraska this season. Yeah, something about Tommy Phillips and uh, or no, no. Was it Phillips and Frazier? Yeah. Lawrence Phillips and Tommy yeah. Frazier. And that era makes me always happy to see Nebraska lose. It's like they kind of snuck in and were a de facto Nebraska out there for or, uh, Alabama out that way for a little while. Like every time I see them lose now, I'm like, yeah, who cares? You guys were dominant for a long time. Plus you made a split a national title with you in 97, which was garbage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. So you got Indiana and Maryland. Hey, look, if you're not watching peek in on that Maryland game, man, you know, who else is a good quarterback is freaking young Tua. that guy is significantly better quarterback than his brother is. I think, I think Tua benefited from being at Bama. Cause like, Hey, I could throw up a water balloon and you know, a five-star receiver is going to catch it. Whereas, you know, Tua is the younger has had to do a little bit more work because he's at Maryland, but he's stuck with the team and it's starting to show. Uh, you've got number one, Georgia at Auburn. All right. Like going to Jordan Hare stadium or correction, Jordan Hare stadium, as they say down there is a very dangerous prospect for anyone in the sec playing, you know, Bama has been tripped up in the iron bowl. Will Georgia do it? Georgia this year, the way that they've kind of like slept walk through the first half, it's possible that they go in down at halftime and have to come back and beat Auburn, which would be an interesting thing. So keep circle that one on your calendars. That's just not the same team in the second half. I, yeah. I, you know, if you've been a Georgia fan at all, like even last year, early in the season, they just, you know, don't even, don't even consider what you're watching until you get to the third quarter. Yeah. Like for sure. You got Bowling Green and Georgia Tech. That should be a decent ACC matchup. Uh, moving on, we're just going to drop and start hitting the higher ones. Uh, six o'clock kick. You got LSU and Ole Miss. That should be a good game. You know, can Brian Kelly keep it together? Because, like, they're winning, but, like, they are one or two plays away from losing some games. And Both Ole teams Miss, already got a loss, so they better bring it. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the other part. You're in the SEC. Like if you have a one loss team in the SEC, your season's over, unfortunately. I mean, that's just the way that it is because the competition is so stiff there. Uh, you've got Oregon and Stanford. Hey, look, I fully expect to take if if I was betting on this game, I'd take the under. And the reason why I say that is because I think Oregon's going to have an emotional deflation. It's easy to get up for a big team that's hyped up like Colorado, just based off of, you know, press clippings and locker room talk and all that other stuff. Stanford is sneaky good. And you're playing at their place. You don't have your fans behind you, and you just had a super, super emotional game that wasn't well played by, you know, going back to all the penalties that were called. I think Oregon, it may be a trap game. It'll be closer than the experts think for sure. Uh, Let's see, moving on, you got Iowa State at Oklahoma. Iowa State's going to get a black eye on that one. East Carolina and Rice, that'll be a good one, but again, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Utah Tech and Colorado State, why? Why are these games even being broadcast? I don't understand. Michigan State at Iowa. Iowa is going to uh, punish Michigan State for uh, the loss that they just took. And uh, (laughs) Michigan State better pack a lunch because they're probably going to be putting the second teamers in because they're either going to have some folks hurt or the score is going to be so lopsided that uh, it's not going to go well for them. And they're playing at Iowa. And, again, I – I'm telling you, Kinnick Stadium, the third quarter, wave at the kids in the, the children's hospital. There's probably going to be a couple players from Michigan State probably being heading that way. <laughs> I'm a Kane McNamara fan all over again for one week. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he looked good this past week, but, like, they just couldn't execute, man. They were in quick hand for sure. They looked like they were a step and a half behind the whole game. You, this one should be interesting. South Carolina and Tennessee. Like, we got Spencer oh, yeah. Radler starting yeah. to look like, you know, starting to look like a quarterback. Joe Milton looked good this weekend, too. So, he was throwing some, you know, throwing some good balls. I think this is, this is a good game to watch. Circle that one on your calendar. However, this game is the game of the week, in my opinion. Notre Dame at Duke. So you've dude. got, dude. I'm telling you, drinking the Kool Aid, man. Nah, man. I, I've watched Duke play, and Duke looks good. They have a good, solid defense, and given the way that their quarterback plays, he's very, very mobile, and he's gonna he's gonna move the pocket, and so right. he's gonna create on the he's gonna create something with his legs. Look for him to throw at least one and run one in, and Sam Hartman has got to shake off the cobwebs because like that was a super disappointing loss, and he was on the sideline, so he couldn't do anything you know, about it to change the the destination of his team. Like you're literally like couldn't get it done when you were on the field. You had to watch the defense roll through. And then that last play of the game was just even more pathetic because they had, you know, no time left on the clock and they're trying to do laterals and all this other stuff. And it was just if, like, wow. If I'm Duke, I'm not happy about them losing because yeah, you know, you're catching, you know, you're catching that beating. Uh, you know, when you get a good team that comes in after losing a really up, you know, high ten or, or a high stakes game, if they'd have come in undefeated, the you know, the pressure is all on Notre Dame and Duke yeah. gets the chance to beat an undefeated team. Now Duke has to, you know, they have to defend their undefeated season. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I can see Notre Dame pulling that one off in a close one, but I, I don't think for any bit of the game is Duke going to be out of it. I think it's going to be, a neck and neck game right down the wire. And I think Notre Dame probably pulls one off because I think they got the best quarterback. But yeah, those right. are two evenly matched teams for the first time yeah. in that matchup yeah. in a long time. Yeah. Like that's normally that's normally a game that you circle in the basketball calendar, but like I'm <laughs> telling you circle on this one for, for college football because it's gonna be a good one. So yeah, so you've got uh, Charlotte and SMU 730. Pitt versus Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's got to lick some wounds because they got smacked around by Marshall of all teams, and Pitt is actually looking good. But again, they they've been slipping a little bit as well. West Virginia at TCU. That should be a fairly good matchup. Hey, a, a, again, if you want to watch some good football, watch App State. Man, App State at ULM. That's going to be on the plus again. Like I think most of the Sun Belt was on the plus this year. You got uh, Troy at Georgia State. You got a future Army opponent and team that's, that's an interesting played. game. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Yeah, for sure. You got San Diego State at Air Force. They're kicking at 8 o'clock. Again, they're getting closer to that left coast start time. Number 13, you got Bama versus Mississippi State. That should be interesting because Mississippi State has been up and down all season. Like, every time I've watched them, there's moments where it's like, oh, they're going to clean house. And then it's like, oh, gosh, where is their coach coming from? Like, I don't understand this. Uh, Your late night uh, Pac-12 after dark, like, if you just want to, you know, 
get a late night snack and watch a, a dead body get drug across a field. You got Washington <laughs> playing Arizona at ten o'clock. <laughs> that one's going to be brutal. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. Man, again, that's another one of those guys that's just slowly racking up numbers that nobody's really paying attention to. One because he plays on the left coast, but the other part of it is, is like nobody pays attention to the Pac-12. Pac-12 is probably the most prolific uh, college conference in football this year, which is a damn shame because they're about to dissolve this thing to the Pac-2. Rumor has it they may merge with the Mountain West and that becomes the new Pac-12. Oh, and they're probably going to, you know, or the, you know, the Santa Cruz banana slugs are going to move up to FBS. They could be the mountain. They could call it the Mountain Pack. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain Pack. Yeah. <laughs> And then start advertising with uh, some new uh, gear at uh, REI. <laughs> I have no idea, but guys, what games are most interesting to you guys? Uh, I'm always going to watch Michigan. Um, I think that they go handle business at Nebraska. But you you hit you stole my answer, and uh, I'm really interested to see no, number 11 Notre Dame going against number 17 Duke after a tough state uh, Ohio State loss. Um, Dukes look very impressive so far, and I wouldn't say I'm drinking the Kool-Aid just yet, but they can change that for me on Saturday if they pull off a victory. Then LSU and Ole Miss will be a good one because you can't lose another game. So uh, let me just say you know, that. Oh, sorry, teams Joe, I got to win and then Kansas and Texas. Oh, you're all right. Then Kansas and Texas. I, uh, I, I think Texas is going to roll. So. Uh, I unfortunately have both Duke and Notre Dame on my uh, fantasy team. So I have to root for Notre Dame because those road wins are important. And uh, I'm one road win behind Rob, although we're tied on the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Utah State at UConn. Uh, Virginia, it, for me, mostly this is about like which disappointing teams are going to turn their seasons around. Uh, Virginia at Boston College, you know, I kind of want to see what the Army opponent looks like. BC looks way better at home, I think, is what I've seen this season. USF at Navy, like we've barely seen Navy play. And when they've played, they've either played the freaking best team in the country or a doormat. So USF is kind of like hopefully maybe in the middle there. South Carolina at Tennessee, like we talked about that one. Troy at Georgia State, man. Troy is two and two. They beat a good Western Kentucky team this past week, but like they did it on offense. Their defense looks like they may be regressed. And Georgia State, if you guys haven't watched them play, they beat the hell out of Coastal Carolina yeah, this yeah. past weekend. That is a good football team. Holy smokes. They got it. I would say, I don't know if they're the favorites to win the Sun Belt, but they're not, not the favorites. And then again, San Diego State at Air Force. We talked about that a little bit, but it's yeah. just like kind of a prove it game for the zoomies like i think san diego state is a real team yeah i talked about all my picks during the the games that i'm going to be watching but for sure i think the one that that i'm really going to sit down and, and devote some time to is going to be south carolina and tennessee i want to see if joe milton can pull it off two weeks in a row like he looked good this past week and spencer rattler around again he's starting to he's starting to come into his own and he has to you know because like like dude like this is your draft status if you're trying to make it into the pros you've got to put together a good season and he's and gonna wind just, up in the xfl yeah, he's going to be working for Dwayne Johnson if he doesn't get his act together. Riley Leonard is the guy's name. Like, he's going to be a Heisman finalist if he keeps it up the way that he's playing. And this is going to be a duel. It'll be a duel. Sam Hartman, you know, literally is probably one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in college football. And when you look at it, there's only two players right now, two QB1s that have started 50-plus games in college, which is a scathing indictment on the <laughs> recruiting and uh, eligibility <laughs> standards. But – You've got uh, you've got uh, freaking Riley, Riley Leonard is the upstart. You've got got Sam Hartman has played fifty games. Bo Nix has played fifty games, and Frank Harris has like ninety seven games that he's started in college football. But literally, we're getting to the point where you know a lot of these guys are going to be leaving. So these fifth and sixth year, seventh year seniors, I think college football is going to change just in the fact that there's going to be people that are leaving that have been playing college football since they were eighteen and they're twenty five now. You know, these are grown men playing a, a, a kid's game. And I'm okay with that, like, if there's medical stuff. But, like, dude, like, quit, you know, hashtag get a job, Frank Harris. So we're going to move on to the games of the week or weekly locks. Weekly locks. Dana, who are you picking? 
I went 3-0 this past week. Oklahoma covered against Cincinnati. FSU covered at Clemson, even though it took overtime to do it. And Western Kentucky at Troy went soundly under 57.5. So that gets me back in the black for the season. This weekend, UConn plus 6 at home versus Utah State. We talked about why. Syracuse plus 7 at home versus Clemson. Uh, I think Syracuse has a decent chance to win that game, if not better than decent. And Georgia State minus 1.5 at home versus Troy. Um, Yo. The Panthers are really good. They really are much better than you think. Joe, how about you? Yeah. Dano and I do not talk before the show, before I say this. Uh, I went three <laughs> and one last week. Uh, thanks to a the slight move in the line to Rutgers getting that half point at 24 and a half and losing by 24. Win is a win. That one's good. Oklahoma went from 14 to 13 and a half and they won by 14. Take that, Vegas. That's a cover as well. And then the Seminoles, thanks to Dabo's screen pass, covered in overtime. So there's three wins. And unfortunately, Colorado could not get off the tracks. And 21 points was not enough to help them get out of the second quarter, let alone the game. They lost by 36. This week, I'm taking a game we haven't talked about and a team we haven't talked about, but I think we should. And the undefeated Dukes of James Madison, minus three at home, Against a two and two South Alabama team, oh, uh, James Madison's bet. got road wins against Troy. They've got road wins against a road win against Virginia. I think they roll by two scores. Um, mm-hmm. Then I got Texas after their destruction of Baylor to cover seventeen points at home against Kansas. I know Kansas is ranked, but so was Iowa last week for five minutes. Uh, the Horns are making a case for a playoff bid, and they're hot right now, like Hansel from Zoolander. Um, <laughs> and last, you guessed it, I like Michigan to cover 18 points against Nebraska. I see another 31-10, 28-7 type game um, in Michigan's future this Saturday. So like to keep it rolling after going 3-1. and one. Nice. Very well. I went 1-2 and two this week. I got – pretty much smacked around uh missed on old miss to cover buffaloes didn't even score 21 and texas to cover 14 and a half over baylor which was just dumb anyway take northwestern minus 26 to cover at home against penn state i think uh penn state on the road doesn't score as much but it's going to be it's going to be like a 20 it's going to be like a 21 point game i think they'll they'll beat them by three touchdowns but they won't hit 26 that's brave i mean that's real brave I, that's my call. All uh, right. Take take the under on USC and Colorado. I, I I think they'll score they'll score some points, but I don't think either team will bust over forty. I think it'll be like a 28-35 score somewhere in there. I think the offense gets going for for uh, Colorado. I think the defense played better in the second half for Colorado as well. And I I just don't think there's as much team speed collectively at USC as there was at, at Oregon. But uh, I'm I'm hoping to be proved correct in that one. Uh, take KU and Texas to hit over 62. I think it's going to be like 55 to 28. I think Texas will put on some offense. I think KU is going to score. Somebody's always got to go. I don't think the Jayhawks are going to have enough offense to beat Texas. But I think that you know I think they'll score some points. It'll be close, like first quarter, first half. But then you know Texas will pull away, and Quinn Ewers will be you know well on his way to the Heisman House at the end of uh, tossing some touchdowns at the end of that one. And then I'm going to take Mizzou to cover 13 and a half against Vandy. Vandy looked good the first two weeks; they're starting to look like Vanderbilt again. I think uh, they'll lose by you know two touchdowns or more, probably like 17 points to uh, Mizzou. Mizzou's hot. Mizzou right beat K State, so yeah, I, th- I I think you know and. K State's a much better team, and they took them down to the wire. Sure. But I think I think Mizzou will, will outmuscle Vandy for sure, and they're, they're going to smack them around. So I, I've got uh, Mizzou to cover against them. Moving on, we are getting to the very very end of the show, but we're going to give our bandwagons fantasy sports update. Matt is still on top, man. He jumped up, and he's got two more road wins in me and about four more points, which sucks. Dan and I are in second place at 50 points. I have the slight edge with the tiebreaker of the home wins, which basically separates everybody. David G has a solid lock on third with 48 points. And then everybody else is kind of sprinkled down. 
everybody's doing well in this league, surprisingly. But again, if you're going to play bandwagon fantasy sports, make sure you make your locks right before the Thursday kick because the lines will continue to shift and you're going to get injury reports and scouting and all that other stuff and things that you will need to adjust uh, your choices. Anyway, we are coming to the end of another college football roundtable. It is, was a wild week last week, and expect another one this week. I think uh, don't have as many ranked matchups. Some of the other teams are taking by. So, you know, Ohio State's off this week. Army's off this week. you got a couple teams that are taking a knee and kind of reevaluating. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting going into the latter half of the season because this is where really you start to see the separation. The first three or four weeks is like everybody's kind of feeling it out. But uh, at the end of the year, you know, week six and beyond is where it's going to happen. And, and I will say this to wrap the show. And, uh, you know, I was pretty fired up about some of the comments that Coach Landing made about uh, Colorado this this week. Not invested as much into Colorado, but I will say this. I have watched enough college football to know for a fact before the end of the season, Oregon will choke on a national stage and be 11 and one, maybe 10 and two, because they have some tough schemes on their schedule. They have to take Michael Penix and Washington and they, Oh, by the way, they still have to play USC and Caleb Williams coach, you know, don't want you to be the blue Falcon of the week, but I think you have set yourself up for that because you talked so much crap that uh, when that comes back around, and you lose one, uh, it, it's going to be interesting for, for that one to happen because it's Oregon, man. They choke. You upset Sometime the colonel, or- coach. So if you guys lay an egg this week, you better believe you're joining Mel and you're joining Dabo <laughs> on the bench, the blue bench. The blue bench is there. Yeah, uh, like I said, man, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for, you know, coaches hyping up their team, do what you got to do. But, you know – the inner, you know, bringing the cameras into the locker room for you to talk smack about another guy. I just, I, I don't think that's cool. And there's a way that you could articulate all the exact same points and not sound like a complete jackass, you know, like, yeah. Hey, look, their team is rolling. They got three wins. They think they're pretty good. I think our team is better. Like, that's it. That's all you have to say. Well, you, and then show it on the phone. A guy like Bo Nix, who's played that much football, you know, he's looking at him going, Hey, you, just beat like maybe the fifth toughest team we have to play not won the national title right like why are you so fired up because like if i'm a winner and my coach is acting like that i'm thinking like did he not expect us to do this like why is he so excited you guys didn't upset anybody you did what you were supposed to do and i agree with you i I think he should have won a little more graciously because because Dion definitely lost graciously and he keeps receipts yeah, well, and, and the other part of it is, is like, don't set your up, don't set, don't set your team up for embarrassment because then you're, then you're doing a, you know, a, a Brian Kelly, you know, now you got to yeah. walk something back after you said something dumb in front of all these cameras, and literally all you have to say is like, hey, we practiced, we put our, you know, we're gonna put our best eleven guys on the field against their best eleven guys. If we win, we win. I, you know. Cool confidence is cool. Cocky is ridiculous, right? And 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 that's the thing. It's 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 like. It's like the new lieutenant, you know, and, and those of you that are formerly served or have served or are still serving understand this. It's the new lieutenant that graduates from West Point and comes in is like, hey, I'm in charge because I graduated from West Point. And everybody in that platoon goes, OK, boss, like, look, you're the you- Eformed Mafia. <laughs> You know, yeah, we got to go to Iraq, right? This yeah, group yeah. gets real, sir. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 hand you, we'll, hand you, we'll hand you the keys once you prove your competence. And I think that's really what it is. It's like, hey, hats off to you, coach. You know, you put together a great game. You had a great game plan. But you still have, you know, nine other games this season. And, oh, by the way, when has Oregon ever won a national championship? I yep. can't recall. And on the, on the flip side of what I just said, great officers save lives. And I can speak to that. From being from being a non-com, great officers. I had one, brought back every last one of our platoon members, and I can't say that for all the platoons in my company. So, great coaches build champions, and when coaches set their team up for failure like that, you're you're putting you're not putting yourself in danger. You're putting your team in danger. Yeah, for sure. Because like, again, it goes back to, you know, I'm all for whistle to whistle. You know. Do what you can. Uh, and players talking trash to each other, that's going to happen, right? That's just part of the game. But coaches, yeah. man, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be a, slightly above. You're supposed to be the adult in the room, 
right? Yeah. And the difference between what was said post-game press conference was huge. And if you haven't watched those post-game press conferences, like there's a way to win gracefully and there is a way to lose gracefully. And you saw both from Coach Sanders so far. And I get it. People people don't like him. You know, I don't know why, you know, but it's the same thing. People don't like Nick Saban either, right? Talk trash about him, but guys got more championship rings than most coaches in college football. Like you can take the, you know, you can take the top three coaches in college football right now and put them against Saban's record and they're still falling short. So anyway, much longer diatribe at the end of the show. I apologize for that. But thanks for sticking with us. Here are the College Football Roundtable for the team here. I'm Rob, the Angry Colonel, calling out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Ikebesa calling out of Coastal Connecticut. And Trigger Joe is in the home of the big house. And we will talk to you guys next week. Beat them. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com. B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N dot com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at buyerbarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football College Football Roundtable and as always, Beat Navy.